All right, welcome in and welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook. We're down to the last couple of shows of the year, and uh, today we're going to talk about the planning strategies for the end of the year. I'm your host, Brent Pasqua, founder of RPA Wealth Management. I'm here with Matthew Thiel, certified financial planner, and Joshua Winterswike, certified financial planner. Uh, but before we get started, I guess one of the things I was wondering is what's your favorite thing about the holiday season? Well, right away, I can think of my least favorite thing, and it's how stressful everyone makes, like the lead up to the holidays. But actually, my favorite thing is right around the time of Christmas, right when it's like starts to peak and you do, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then it's over and you're like, oh, I can relax. And and then it's kind of like you get that week between Christmas and New Year's. I really like that time of year. I like that time of year, too. I just think, you know, a lot of time spent, you know, with family and friends and that togetherness, you can really feel it through the holiday season. Or I, at least I do, and really enjoy that time spent with family and friends. Yeah, I think the festivities, too, leading up to the holidays for me is probably one of the big things now. I, I think I get so much more enjoyment from, like, Christmas lights and seeing that stuff with the kids because they get joy at it. And then Christmas movies. I think the ambiance of the Christmas season and having kids, like, that's just the beauty of all of it, I think. I'm, and I'm excited for, too, after it's all done, then you can kind of take a deep breath and wait for the new year to begin. Yeah, absolutely. Then maybe that's what we'll have to do on a, one of the next shows. Well, leading into the holiday season, we have something fun to talk about. Uh, Omicron has presented itself. The stock market has fallen more than 4% from its highs due to the concerns of Omicron, the new COVID variant. Why is the COVID variant causing so much stress and volatility in the market? And do we anticipate that this might last? I think it was just the perfect storm. I mean, um, all of us were enjoying our Thanksgiving dinners and then this news kind of broke from the, you know, the trusty World Health Organization that there's a new variant and the news organizations took it and ran with it. Um, But as for the stock market, in my opinion, it was looking for an excuse to sell off. Most likely, though, the this new COVID variant is not the reason that the market has been selling off. We've mentioned previously on other shows that we're going into an environment where we do we are facing high inflation. There will be interest rates being um, raised at some point next year, and basically Jerome Powell confirmed that. And um, it's it's my belief that that's kind of what caused the repricing of stocks. Um, and to answer your final question, we actually might be in a, a time period where we are going to get some. Uh, pretty big bumps in the road here um, in the stock market, but that's always no reason to panic. It's just because interest rates will be rising next year. I think a lot of the, the optimism, we talked about this on a previous show, but a lot of the optimism's kind of gone, you know, and there's some new uncertainties. Uh, we've seen even some just strong economic data that proves that we're probably maybe in a little bit better of a place than we even thought. So, you know, how much more optimism is out there for the future? So I think that also is going to play into, like you said, Matt, some volatility going forward. Do you see a scenario where this variant can actually cause the market to either struggle going into next year at all or recover and strengthen the economy? Is there any chance of that? I mean, I guess the best case scenario with any COVID variant is that it spreads really fast, doesn't kill anybody, and we all just get kind of runny noses and sore throats like you do with, uh, you know, a seasonal flu or, you know, cough. Uh, another big story, and it was a leading headline going into the last couple of weeks, is Citadel CEO Ken Griffin pays $43.2 million to for the Constitution copy, and we talked about this on the previous podcast also, um, outbidding this um, crypto group. 
On the previous podcast, Matt, you had mentioned that the Constitution DAO, which the group of crypto buyers came together to bid on a copy of the Constitution that was going up for auction. How did the the crypto buyers not actually come up with this and, and win it? And how did Ken Griffin win this? A uh, pretty cool story. Um, it, and if you remember Ken, Ken Griffin, he's from Citadel and he was involved in that Robin Hood trading fiasco that we talked about in February or March um, when he, he was getting a lot of blame. So he's a hedge fund billionaire and he came in and, you know, a bunch of us and Josh included was in on this as well. I should give him some credit. <laughs> we, we gave a little cryptocurrency into the constitution down. We became members and we got shares in PeopleCoin which is the, the currency that you vote with in the Dow. And they raised over $40 million, so they had enough um, with King Griffin's bid. But what the organizer said is that where the bid number was at was they wouldn't be able to actually properly care for the Constitution because there is some maintenance costs involved. And so the, even though they had raised the same amount of money as King Griffin, which they didn't have enough money going forward to care for it. So the one question I always was wondering leading into this, and I would assume what the answer may be, but when you put money towards this auction, do you actually get that money back? Yeah, so they re- they're refunding everyone. So there's two things you could do. The first thing you could do is go back to the site that is called Juicebox that, that we use to fund our cryptocurrency to the project, and they'll give you a refund minus gas fees. Gas fees are um, kind of the fee to transact on the Ethereum blockchain. Think of it kind of like a commission. Or you could take your coins, your people coins. And those coins have actually been trading. Last I saw, they're trading for about $0.04. Cents. Um, and they trade on decentralized exchanges like SushiSwap. Now it's become kind of like a souvenir for, for participating in the Constitution DAO, which is pretty cool. Yeah, almost like a meme coin. I haven't decided what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to take my people coin, though. I think so, too. It'll be my souvenir for being a part of this. But pretty crazy story, and especially, you know, the the price that was paid for this constitution. I think it was only valid, or it was valued about $26 million, so It was like, it went for double the amount um, that it originally had, like, a set price for. So pretty amazing that much money uh, for this piece of um, history. I think that Ken Griffin's going to hold it in a museum, though, for like the public to see uh, from what the story said in Arkansas. So pretty cool if you ever get to actually see it. R- rumors have it that he's a big anti-crypto person. Right, which makes the story even more interesting. Yeah, which makes it a little bit better. Um, but if he is or isn't, um, you know, crypto's coming for the financial market. So sorry, Ken. Well, he's not my favorite because we didn't win, so... Because he's tied to the Robin Hood fiasco that happened earlier in the year, right? So, like, is this his way of getting back at everybody? I guess it could be. But then, you know, you see, the reason why we haven't adopted crypto or, like, I, for me it took so long was because I found the people who talked about crypto to be extremely annoying. And I'm sure half the people listening right now are like, yeah, Matt, dude, you're being annoying. Stop talking about <laughs> crypto. Um, but, yeah, he, he's not a crypto guy, King Griffin, it sounds like. Right. All right, well, let's get into something that is annoying, and that's uh, a topic that we'll, we can discuss that I think are helpful strategies as we get into the end of the year. And we like to do these at the end of the year because we feel like there's financial strategies that people can implement themselves that can set their next year up strong. And as we head into 2020, there's nothing really better than getting yourself in position to have a really good financial year. And we want to talk about what some of those strategies are today. With the first strategy, Matt, as we go into the end of the year and we're looking at next year, what is your first strategy? The first strategy is tax loss selling in your after-tax brokerage account. 
Um, so an after-tax brokerage account is a non-retirement account, like where you would probably actively trade stocks or maybe you own some mutual funds. So maybe you got caught up in the, the GameStop or AMC thing this year. You participated in that, but you purchased um, at a price that is now underwater. You can sell that stock, um, take the loss, um, and you would receive up to 3000 off on your taxes. So if you lost, you know, $3,000, you'd receive up to 3000 off on your taxes. Um, the great thing is you could buy back the AMC or the GameStop on the 31st day after you make the sale. So if somebody has an after-tax brokerage account, how would they go in there and actually do that? They would just hit sell on their thing. Uh, you know, it's on Robinhood. I think there's just a big sell button. So, so like you look at your positions, you look at what you bought them for and on there, if you're looking at cost basis, you're going to see some positions you have a loss at, and then you can pick some of those to sell some shares to try to get you to this $3,000 loss. Correct. Exactly. And most of the custodians do a decent job at actually kind of detailing what that cost basis is to the value. Um, so that's the section you want to look for in your custodian, you know, when you're logging into your custodian's platform, whether if it's Robin Hood, Charles Schwab or whoever you're using and kind of make it easy there to, for you to determine what to sell. Would you recommend they use those funds to purchase something else or would you just sit on cash? Everybody's situation would be different. So I don't, I don't know. So my strategy that I think is helpful is making retirement contributions. And it's something that I always sort of try to emphasize with people. And that's to really max contribute as much as they can into their 401k plan. Um, as we get into the end of the year, if you are getting a bonus check or you're getting some extra money from work at the end of the year and you have room to make contributions more into your 401k plan, allocate and have more of that money withheld and put to your 401k plan. And usually what I like to do for at least for myself is, you know, allocate that more towards stocks because the time horizon till I'm going to take that out is longer. You have more of a potential growth. But making sure that you can actually max contribute, you can look at your 401k plan, see how much you've contributed so far this year. And if your savings is building up right now, allocate more of your paycheck. Even if you don't get a bonus check, allocate more of your paycheck to your 401k plan. For um, bi-weekly pay people too, um, December is a triple pay month. So you could use uh, your third check potentially because there'll be a check most likely for people paid on Fridays on the 31st this year. Which is a great way. I mean, that check could have your last contributions for the year and go into it. Exactly, yeah. And you have up to 19500 So remember that when you log in to see what that max is. And if you're over 50, you get an extra 6000 Yeah. Yep, catch up. Uh, Josh, what are your strategy? My strategy is actually, well, since you're logging in to look at your contributions, might as well review those retirement accounts. So logging in, making sure that you understand what investment choice you have for the balance in that account. And then also, bring some awareness to where that money is actually going to for those contributions. So like Brent said, if you're increasing those contributions, you actually have an option with most 401k custodians to actually determine where you want that money to go. And it can even be different than the balance. So making sure you understand how that money is being allocated. Also reviewing the actual funds that you're invested in and the fees for those funds. Um, it's very important that we're driving the cost for the underlying investment choices as low as we can, because that means more money you get to keep in your pocket um, from those investments. And then also understanding what that stock to bond mix is currently. 
know, if you're heading into retirement, your stock to bond mix might need to change soon. You know, we've had really three good years of growth. Is it time to maybe even get more conservative or more aggressive? Um, so determining what that stock to bond mix is going or is and making sure it's reviewing and matching your goals is very important, especially leading into this next year, especially if something's going to change for you, like retirement or even switching jobs. Is it easy for for a lot of people to figure out the information within their plan on what their funds either expense ratio are or what their allocations are? Some of the um, 401k custodians are doing a lot better job of having that information very easily accessible and reviewed. Um, one thing that I see a lot with 401k plans is they'll have some sort of fact sheet on each of the funds. So making sure you're looking for like kind of that buzzword. Uh, fact sheet next to the investments, but even a quick Google search. I mean, the internet's great now. So if you want to just quickly Google the fund that you're in, it's easily accessible to access, you know, how that money's being invested. What are those fees? Um, so yes, you, you can find that information just with a little bit of research. It's a great strategy. Uh, what do we have next? All right. Just like reviewing your retirement accounts, we'll talk about reviewing those um, investment brokerage accounts that you have. Maybe you did something that Robin Hood or Charles Schwab, like we were saying earlier. And my first big piece of advice here is don't do anything. If you're actively trading constantly all the time, you're going to lose out. So it's better just to kind of be buy and hold, you know, s select the positions that you want to own for the long run and hold them for the long run. Don't chase performance or get caught up in a fad. Um, for instance, what were the fads this year? GameStop, AMC. Those have all kind of started to break down in the recent months. Um, and unfortunately, most people are going to end up losing money on those investments. Wait, not all of them are going to the moon anymore? No, I, don't, I think the moon trip got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, if you are looking for... Um, you know, something that could help you for retirement. There's no reason why a target date fund couldn't work well in a brokerage account. Um, that's a mutual fund that you select the year that you want the you want to retire. Um, you could also purchase it in a brokerage account just like you could in a retirement account. Put your money in that and they'll they'll build the portfolio for you. And then two other, you know, good options if you don't have them would be adding some some index funds as well. Um, you know, anything from Vanguard is usually pretty good in low fee. I think that's so helpful. I mean, as we get in the end of the year, if you're reviewing your investment portfolio to really know the types of funds that you're doing and not be overactive with it. Josh, we also wanted to talk about health savings plans and what strategies can people use for those? It's an important time. Most employers have an open enrollment period. So um, end of year, making sure you're reviewing not only your health plan, whether if it's through an employer or through the private market. Um, one good tip here too is kind of go back over this last year and see what you actually spent medical wise, right? Or, you know, project what you plan to spend going forward and what your budget is for medical insurance. Um, and having that kind of lead the conversation of choosing your, you know, next health plan. If you are in a high deductible plan too, consider signing up for a healthcare savings account. So a healthcare savings account is an account that allows you to put money aside on a pre-tax basis, and you're able to use that money for qualified medical expenses. What's nice about this is you can roll funds over into this account each year. So if you have one uh, and you didn't use all the money, that'll actually roll over to the next year. Um, and one other thing about healthcare savings account, if you are self-employed, you're also eligible too. So don't think you're excluded if it, you know, you're not just working for an employer, but you work for yourself. Um, look into the healthcare savings plans going into next year. I think Vanguard Fidelity, they offer them yeah. um, for people who are self-employed. 
Um, a good point the on the spending because that's another low key reason why you might want to be tracking your spending so you could see what you are spending at um, you know medical facilities, but then also pharmacies. You could do that if you bring in FSAs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great strategy. Uh, my strategy going into the end of the year is to make sure that if you are now over seventy two, that you're taking your required minimum distribution, and um, even if you are under seventy two. And let's say that you have low income this year, or you know your income is going to end up being lower this year. Maybe taking a small distribution from your IRA may make sense at a lower tax rate if you know you're going to be in a higher tax rate in the future. But let's focus the rest of this on if you are over 72. We know that under the new rules, you have to begin taking from your IRA or your qualified retirement plan your uh, required minimum distributions. And when you're doing that, you have to do it before December 31st. But also, you have a couple of options of things that need to be done. You're going to have to more than likely sell something within your portfolio to be able to get the required minimum distribution out unless you have that money sitting in the money market account of your IRA. But you're probably going to want to sell something in your portfolio. I'd be very careful and mindful of what you are selling because I think that it can be advantageous of what you sell. And then also possibly reinvesting that required minimum distribution once it comes out of the account, out of your IRA, and then maybe possibly investing it into an after-tax brokerage account so it just doesn't go sit into savings. I mean, if you have the luxury of doing that, you don't need to actually spend it. But one of the things that a lot of people choose to do is have their taxes withheld when the distribution is taken out. That way they don't have to worry about it in April when they go get their taxes done, that they're not going to have to go back and pay a bunch of taxes in. Yeah, good, good point. And a good time to kind of address the tax situation too. If you normally owe and you don't need that distribution, maybe you up the withholding right, to kind of offset that tax bill in April. So great tip. Another good point too that you made is wanting to have liquid investments like, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, so you could actually sell. Uh, One of the big draws of doing the, you know, a business or a, you know, real estate rental in your IRA with those self-directed ones is when it comes time for RMD, you know, what are you going to, you're not going to chop off a brick from your rental. The seller, you're going to have to come up with the cash some way else. Yeah, I think, I think that's an important point. And I think with required minimum distributions, I mean, obviously just being very mindful of how you actually take that money out, you know, really helps long term. And then Matt, we wanted to bring up a strategy about charitable donations. What are your thoughts on charitable donations towards the end of the year? Yeah, December's the season of giving, right? So no better time than to give to your favorite charity. Um, So a couple strategies you could do. Um, The first would be to if you have stock in a brokerage account that has a, a low basis, I mean, you have a high dollar gain, um, instead of gifting cash, you could uh, gift the stock and kind of let the let the charity deal with it. That way, if you were to go sell, you don't have to deal with paying taxes on it. So a nice way to get you a little double deduction there. You could also do a, a very popular strategy since Trump's bill was passed in 2017, which is where you bunch charitable contributions. So instead of doing, you know, small charitable contributions uh, one year and the next year, um, you say, okay, in 2022, I'm not going to do any charity, but in 2021, I'm going to do a lot of charity. So then you get a bigger um, upfront right off. And then lastly, you're mentioning the RMD. One thing you could do to satisfy your RMD is do a QCD. So essentially all that is, is you're giving your RMD to charity. And then can people actually gift some of their shares to their kids? They can, yeah. If you like your kids and you, you know, you want to be generous, um, you could <laughs> gift them shares of stock, and if they want to, they could sell it, and hopefully, you know, they'd be in a lower tax bracket than you and take the profits. 
the naughty or nice list, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can clip this episode and send it to our parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, all right, let's get into another one. I think that's an important one and, and one that's kind of changed around over the last couple of years, and that's Roth conversions. Is this a strategy for this year? It could be, yeah, especially if your income's less than, let's say, the year before or the, the year going forward. Um, so Roth conversion, though, is basically you're going to transfer retirement assets from an IRA or pre-tax account, and this creates a taxable event, so remember that. Um, and a Roth IRA can be, or a Roth IRA conversion can be advantageous for individuals with large IRA accounts who expect their tax bills to be the same level or grow in the future. Um, so making sure you understand that there are a lot of rules to Roth conversions, so make sure you're doing your research on this, um, but can be a really good strategy to end the year, especially if income is lower this year than potentially going into next year. I like backdoor Roth conversions. I'm, I'm not a fan of just ordinary Roth conversions, though. It seems like probably a little bit more headache than it's always, always worth in the long run when you do the math. I feel like that they've become very popular, but it is kind of for the right person. It isn't for right. everybody. We get a lot of people that talk about Roth conversions, but I feel that your situation really has to match up well with that strategy. You have to stick to it. And for a lot of people, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it's become like a miracle diet pill almost. Oh, you need a Roth. You should do a Roth conversion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people really enjoy paying taxes up front. I think a lot of people really kick the can down the road. And so, I mean, who wants to give up money for a long-term strategy? I mean, it's, I think, hard mentally for people. Yeah, absolutely. It is hard. And with, we know that pensions are, you know, at an all-time low. And so fixed income's at an all-time low for retirees. So most likely for a lot of people, your tax bill isn't going to be more in retirement or stay the same. It's going to be less. So right. make sure you get that right. Yeah, it's something that needs to be reviewed by an advisor, I would probably think and then the other thing is, is it just has to fit your situation and make perfect sense absolutely uh the last strategy going into the end of the year is one that we had a great podcast on last one and if you haven't listened to it, i'd recommend you go back and listen to it and that's to create and review a net worth statement and a net worth statement is going to have your assets and your liabilities on it so things that you own and things that you owe on and I would update as you get into the end of the year, your balance sheet, your net worth statement. So you could start seeing exactly where you stand financially. And I think why that's helpful is once you start to see your balance sheet, you can really focus on making decisions as you and setting goals as you head into next year. Is it that you're going to want to max contribute or contribute more into your 401k plan or your IRAs? Or do you have some debts that you want to pay off first? And then the second part of the year, you can be making more contributions. But from your balance sheet, you know, really strong financial decisions can be made. And I think the other part about all of that is you'll be, have a record of where you stood at the beginning of the year and where everything is at at the end of next year. And again, that leads into being very helpful going into the year after that. Yeah, good point. Hopefully with this market dropping, everyone you know, will still see a positive change in their net worth statement when they do this towards the end of December. Um, the other thing too I'd point out is on the homes. Like what I've seen with a lot of clients this year is their homes have really appreciated. Um, like depending on how much your home is worth, somewhere from a hundred to maybe even three or four hundred thousand in the last year. You know, again, those are just paper figures. So when you do see that, and when you go to update your net worth statement, um, you know, don't get too overly excited. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, let's get into the end of the year. RPA recommends, maybe from these recommends, there's either some gift ideas or things to do during the holiday season. Matt, what do you have for us? I'm going to go with the new clothing retailer that I, I heard about from a friend of mine. Um, so it's kind of like a Lululemon, uh, but it's not 
it's more for the most part it seems a little bit geared towards men um whereas the lululemon has the female and the kind of came with the yoga pants it was geared towards geared towards females when they first came out it's public rec um so i have their pants and a couple of their polos and it's kind of the same kind of material as lululemon um but i I actually think it's better for the office um Mm. so I, i really like it as kind of the office hybrid where you know you could wear it from the office to the golf course um but it's not like uh golfy sporty looking shirt where you look like you're actually going to the golf course i'm a golf guy so i'll have to to check that out yeah you will i think you'll like it (laughs) uh my recommend is something to maybe make over the holiday season and um i actually ordered a smash burger kit where it came with a kit to actually smash the burgers down and to uh, season them and the spatula to, to prepare it all and to me once i made this i can't imagine like eating a burger any other way than just using a smash burger kit i mean it just it's so much more flavor to a hamburger and if you love hamburgers i i don't know i guess i'm more new to this than some of you but to me i thought it was outstanding if my mom listens to this podcast she's gonna ask me hey hey matthew what's that smash burger kit brent brent was talking about so she probably doesn't know what a smash burger is and you but, can go on amazon there's all sorts of different ones on there i think you just find one that that fits but we got one from Cruisenart, i think is that how you say it Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I thought it worked really well, but it came with everything that you need for a smash burger, and you know, I, I can't. I think that that's just now the best way to eat a burger. If you haven't had a smash burger, this is your time to go look up what smash burgers are. Yeah, a little just a basic, more you know, different style of burger. I think they started like in Chicago. Now they become like really popular over here on the West Coast. You're seeing smash burger places pop up everywhere, and they're really easy to make. Yeah, super easy. Good way to to do a burger, especially if you don't like that big, thick patty because the smash burgers, you're smashing the patty to make a really thin, crispy patty. Um, so again, a different twist on a burger, but I, I enjoy them too. Yeah, you, you introduced me to them. And now, now, like once you start making it, I'm like, man, I could really tweak this a little bit more and make it even better. I got to see your kit though, because I have a couple smash burger tools that I might be able to share with you. Yeah, so. That's a good idea. Uh, I'll jump into my recommend. So we know there's supply chain issues. We see it on the news. This is just a recommends reminder. Get your holiday ordering done as soon as you can. And don't forget to use the Honey app. It's an extension on your internet browser to save some money. Matt, I know you don't use Honey, but for Brent and I, it works. It saves you money. Get those holiday orders in. This is your reminder. Don't wait to the last minute. You might be disappointed with the shipping. Put it on your good credit card so it's saving you travel points or reward points or cash points so that you're able to save for next year and get those rewards right saving money getting points getting your christmas gifts on time going into the holiday season happy yes all right any parting thoughts for the end of the year strategies no i guess just you know it's a holiday season it's a time for giving um we've been in a bull market you're going to hear a lot about your neighbors making tons of money or your best friend making tons of money don't get overly emotional. Everything corrects. Go try a smash burger. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the holiday season with your family. I think that's so important. But as advisors, we love helping people. That's why we do it. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with any of us, please go to rpawealth.com and schedule a complimentary consultation. You can also download our ebook from our website. And if you'd like any of the show notes, please go to retirementplanplaybook.com. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone, and uh, thanks for listening. Thank you.
RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from brochure and 2B brochure supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcast. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.